Hello and welcome to the Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I'm your host and I'm very excited to be joined once again by my partner in crime and co-host, the Fulham Flyer, the Shawangunk Express. He is the Kelly Wolf to my Kelly Slater. Phil Vondra, welcome back to the Pain Cave. So good to be back twice in one week. Can't believe it. It's like uh, just amazing, like winning the lottery. It's as if there's no pandemic at all. Nope. So good. Phil, I'm super psyched tonight. We are going to be joined by two very famous and influential people in our sport. One a returning guest, one a first timer. Coming back for the second time on the show is the owner of the Finger Lakes Running Company and of the Red Newt Racing uh, event team. It's Ian Golden. Ian, welcome back to the Pain Cave. Good to be back on the Pain Cave. Always good to be able to access the Pain Cove without having to put in at least 30 miles before. Actually do anything, exactly. This is the easy way in. And for the first time, coming from uh, Colorado, Utah, somewhere like that. Yes, he's nodding yes. Excellent. Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) He is a well-known figure in the sport to anyone who has been following along even on the periphery of trail and ultra running for the past, I don't know, decade or so. The co-founder and creator and showrunner extraordinaire of the brilliant website, irunfar.com. It's Brian Powell. Brian, thank you so much for joining us tonight. So glad to join you in the pain cave today. It's really psyched to have you guys. We are going to have a really fun episode here. I want to do a little bit of kind of state of the sport kind of stuff uh, before we get into the the main event for the evening. But before we do that, Phil, what are we drinking tonight? Uh, well, I'm staying local tonight. I'm going to drink an Equilibrium D-Hop 28. It's a double IPA coming in at a little uh, 8.5%. So uh decent amount of alcohol in there. Set me up nicely on a Wednesday night. Very nice. Very nice. Ian, what do you have on tap? Dude, that's all Sanskrit to me. It's, I, I don't know. I forgot to, I forgot to fill my water bottle. So I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be parched by the end. Oh gosh. Brian, I know you're going to come through for us here. Oh yeah. I got, uh, El Jefe Caliente, a, uh, Imperial stout from Four Noses out in West Kansas. I mean, uh, the front range, uh, Sounds coffee, good. cinnamon, chilies, lactose, Yummy, yummy goodness. Probably my favorite uh, sphere this winter. Wow. wow. That's a meal in and of itself. Uh, in honor of this special occasion, I'm going to break open a somewhat hard to find one by us, Alchemist Focal Banger, courtesy of T Fall. So very nice. There we go. Cheers, boys. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. So, where do you get all this stuff, Brian? I mean, Silverton, your options have to be pretty limited out there. In Silverton itself, indeed. When I'm passed through Durango or. Uh, to the south at Ridgeway, Montrose to the north. I uh, load up put the, the beer in the Prius and uh, bring it back. Uh huh. Phil, it's and then it's, I put in the pantry, which is thirty-seven degrees, so perfect <laughs> beer temperature. Yeah. Phil, this is the first podcast we've done in a while where I I don't feel like a complete lush for the time that we're drinking. This is actually like appropriate beer drinking time. This is social drinking, right? Yeah. Yes. No, this is. Well, I mean, this is this is like three hours too late for me. But I mean, you know, I've I've had a couple of warm up beers as well. So yeah, it's uh, pretty good. Yeah. Before we get into it, guys, and thanks again for coming on. I I wanted to talk a little bit about what's been going on because of your guys' kind of um, unique perspectives, I guess, on the sport and and how uh, entrenched you are in in the East Coast and the and the national uh, trail and ultra running scene just to discuss a little bit about what's been going on for the past, you know, eight to 12 months and, and where you see things happening. Ian, to start off from a race director's perspective, just talk briefly about, 
I, I guess some of the challenges over the past year and, you know, how you've been able to weather them and, and, you know, what you kind of are anticipating going forward in, you know, what we hope is a better 2021, uh, you know, are, are permits going to be looking up or are, you know, are there things that are coming out of the pandemic that you think will carry forward in terms of the way that races are run? Or do you see us returning to normal at some point? I know that's a lot. And that's crazy. I, I feel like, right, all of us are so, I think, used to at this point of just operating on a day-to-day, week-to-week type of kind of reconfiguration, if not disaster. I, I wouldn't really call it disaster mode, right? I mean, we've all kind of evolved, spun at this point. We're kind of getting by. I was thankful for Red Newt. We put on four of our six races in 2020 in the midst of, of everything. I think we were able to come up with uh, enough of a a solid mitigation plan that uh, it had to go all the way up to the governor's office. Governor's office approved it. I think we are fairly early in the mix. One of the early ones to get uh, the authority to, to go ahead and uh, using our mitigation plan as somewhat of a, a precedent. And so this year, right, it sucks. It just keeps going. It just keeps dragging. Yeah. Um, and so my vision would just be to basically be sticking with the same mitigation uh, plans. And yeah. so, kind of the way it is, but it's still on, I would say it's still so unknown. So I don't really know. I think one of the shakeups for us last year, two of the events, we got word within weeks of the event where we could only open it to New York residents or the tri-state residents. And that just shaved off like 40% of our field, right? Like two weeks before the event, which obviously causes some problems. And so I don't know what kind of uh, impacts will be coming in in those regards, but I know that we've done it already and we've done it safely. And so I imagine uh, we'll be able to at least repeat that. Yeah. Yeah. I, it felt like, you know, as this most recent, I hesitate to even call it a surge now because it's been going on for months, but the, the cases started to increase uh, in November and there was a little bit of controversy surrounding um, JFK and whether or not that should go forward as things were really starting to ramp up. Um, and that was, you know, a little bit before the vaccines and all. And, uh, you know, they did take a little bit of heat, and, and I'll admit that I, I was kind of on the fence about whether they should, you know, even uh, move forward with the race. And, you know, fortunately, things seem to go off, you know, more or less okay. And, uh, you know, Phil and I were just talking. I, I, I wonder if going forward that creates a permission structure for a lot of these events to, to happen, uh, you know, on a similar scale or, you know, most races in our country, obviously, are on a, on a much smaller scale than, uh, than JFK. I don't think we're going to be seeing you know, uh, the Boston Marathon or the New York City Marathon anytime soon. And Boston's already said that if it happens, it'll happen in the fall. But, you know, I think I think JFK kind of bit the bullet and took a lot of heat for a lot of, of potential race directors out there who, you know, now can point to their permitting to, you know, can go to their permitting um, locations or whatever and, and point to JFK and say, look, these guys did it with 800, 900, 1200 people or whatever it was. And that was okay. And here's our plan for 400 people or 200 people. And, and maybe that's uh, a little bit of a, um, a an evidence point for them to be able to lean on a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that comes down to like the RD and the feelings. Like from my vantage point, I also wasn't, I mean, for the Trails Collective, we were still mentioning uh, JFK going, registration opening, here were their numbers. Uh, but I think I was pretty vocal in the weekly rundowns where I didn't think that it was really a good idea. And even, you know, and that's, I guess, splitting hairs because here I am an RD that's already putting on uh, events. And so that maybe carries a certain degree of, of conflict uh, there. But I don't know, like still in my head, um, you take an event like, for instance, JFK or some of these uh, major marathons. What is it? Was it Berlin or London or whoever just said they're going to have like a forty or 50,000 people, even if it included like virtual participants? 
like, I don't know. I mean, I, I really, I think that's the thing with COVID, right? I mean, there, there's so much seemingly still unknown and inconsistency and things sure. just don't add up, don't make sense. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. But it seemed like JFK in the, with there being such a long event with the time constraints, like it, it was tough to put that on or stage it in what I perceive to be a safe manner. And, right. and when I say safe manner, that still goes back to, we still don't really know. Yeah. But it seems, no, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Brian is, uh, you know, one of the main chroniclers of the sport, you know, for the past, has it been a decade or more at this point? Uh, doing the radio probably more than a decade. Now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> obviously this, this was unprecedented for you guys. You know, how, how did this, as, as somebody who basically makes a living, you know, traveling around and, and chronicling races and, and following the goings on, you know, how difficult was this year for you? And, what what do you see? What are you looking forward to, or what are what are your kind of tent poles or markers that you're looking forward to on kind of the road to recovery and, and hopefully 2021? Yeah, I mean it was a huge uh, hit to to what we do, to our business, to our to our readership, everything. Uh, with not uh, covering races in person, uh, we also made a decision pretty quick as things came down in March not to do our weekly this week and running column and and talk about races and. We actually revisited that in the fall, kind of during the tail end of the relative lull, um, and whether we not re- we restart that, um, <clears throat> almost did, and then I mean, just kind of didn't feel like we could uh, inherently promote racing at this point, I guess. Right. Uh, and um, and then there's been a, this huge surge since then. Um, yeah. And we understand. I mean, I understand why. RDs and organizations want to put on races. I understand why people want to, to, to race. Um, it's, it's all very nuanced. Um, I mean, I think races are doing a great job with mitigation measures, but, uh, I've seen very few sort of restrict the geography of participants and the, the tra- I mean, CDC recommends against travel right now. Right. Like, and inherently it's a, you know, it's a very meaningful thing to all of us. Um, but it's also completely, uh, you know, self-decided, you know, it's, it's recreation in the end. Sure. And so like, you know, we just have kind of been steering clear of that for now. And right. Right. So for, for both of you guys, I guess, um, what do you see as the future of the sport? I mean, we talk a lot about where is the sport going? And I think most of us who have been involved with it for a while are, are generally pretty bullish on its prospects because of just growth and, and increased uh, media attention, sponsorship attention, that sort of thing. And, you know, for the most part, that that stuff continues to move in a positive direction. But I guess w- what I'm asking is what what effects do you guys see that might be permanent from this pandemic if and when we get out? I mean, if and when when we eventually emerge from what's going on, uh, are there things that you see or are there trends that you see now that you, you think might uh, reflect down the road in, in where our sport's going? Uh, I'll jump in. I guess uh... I haven't been to a race in person since this has all gone down, but just having read of some of the precautions, like the, just thank goodness, I guess, more sanitary aid stations. <laughs> I hope there's a, you know, a, I've not minded putting my hand in the bowl of M&Ms or potato chips or whatever all these years, but there may be some rethinking of that a little bit. I mean, I hope we'll go back to a place where volunteers can fill a water bottle, that sort of thing. But I think there'll be a, a movement of, sort of being a little more thoughtful and cautious as yeah. to, yeah. Do, do you guys see any potential negative effects in terms of sponsorship, revenue, uh, you know, sp- sponsors looking at races as inherently less 
uh, or, or more risky prospects or anything like that? Do you, do you think this will be something that takes some time to recover from? Or do you think the, the energy is there and the money's there when we come back to it? Uh, for, at least from my vantage point from a an RD, I feel like I saw some of the realignment of the at least footwear sponsors in the past year or two putting all of their ducks into maybe like one major race, whether it be like ultra going behind Western States or something to that effect. And JFK is like being like the two big ones, as opposed to the regional smaller ones. I feel like that was already in play. And I saw that happening more. And it's like, I don't know, like, where do they build their audience? What gets the um, connection with the uh, potential customer base uh, or the, um, the passionate, uh, wearers out there. And it, it seemed like for Solomon, for instance, I think a focus of 2020 was supposed to be on maybe like women's running clinics or something to that effect, as opposed to sponsoring events. And then that was all, uh, got a, a big shakeup. And I think that there's still money uh, out there, but I think it was already realigning. And after this, like, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's necessarily pandemic driven in terms of the uh, shaping it. But I think the question on where you're getting a conversion on your investment or your return on your your dollar, I think everybody's still trying to figure out uh, where that is. And then I don't know if I have the answer. I know just putting the, you know, the sponsor's logo on my shirt, you know, that's not really doing anything. So how to, for me as an RD, how do I uh, make it worth it? Or how do I help get that uh, relationship with that conversion? And that's the challenge. And I don't, I don't totally know what that looks like yet. I think there'll be an overall, I mean, just talking to the marketing people in the brands. Like I know that their budgets have been marketing budgets have been cut in half. And that includes both sponsoring media and also sponsoring races. And yeah, those are, have been slashed uh, for 2021 and who knows when they'll rebound. They were, they were slashed uh, retrospectively in 2020 and again in 2021 and which is kind of strange. I guess I get the uncertainty principle, but uh, I, I know at least the overall numbers, uh, the outdoor industry is, not hurting right now. People are spending money on good on, on buying things. And, right. uh, yeah, but there's, that's one place where they can, a brand can hedge their bet is shaving from four to 2% on the marketing budget of their revenue or something. Right. It, it seems like the, when the, you know, the sponsorship announcements came around for a lot of the elites at the beginning of, of this past month, that for the most part, you know, the, the shoe companies and the sponsors had <clears throat> kind of kept, uh, supporting the athletes, at least in the short term through this, I didn't see a lot of turnover. I saw a lot of people re-upping with the same brands and, and kind of thankfully uh, doing so on social media. So that, that would there, to there be were some changes sign. in those structures, though. There were definitely people who went from global or, or national teams to more national or regional teams. Gotcha. There was, which is a, you know, maybe a cutting of being a paid athlete to uh, getting product, Just getting some or product or maybe right. a couple of race entries or something. You right. know, the, the whole marketing structure definitely changed in a lot of cases. Um, the big story in ultra running this week, or I guess last week, by the time I get this thing up online is, uh, certainly the Hoka carbon X2 project or whatever it's called. Uh, and you know, Jim's scaring of the 100 K world record, which I'm sure everybody here followed, uh, as obsessively as I did and was just amazing. Uh, everyone gets a 15 second hot take. I don't want to hear Jim was amazing. Cause everyone knows he was amazing. Give me a hot take. This is like a sports talk radio thing. Hot take from the Hoka Carbon X project. Uh, for example, here's a hot take. Camille is finished. Go. <laughs> Jim can run 607. Okay, good. Um, I would like to have seen some distance markers for Jim as he was coming into the finish. Yeah, you know, that was weird. Everyone kept saying how great the coverage was, how great the coverage was. And, and we were sitting here like, why is the only thing that we're seeing the running time and the amount of time left to the world record? There was absolutely no context for either time that was happening there. It was 
incredibly frustrating. Yeah, I think, well, I think this speaks to the discussion we were just having. I don't know if it's a 15 second hot take, but this is the, in terms of the brand realignment of priorities and marketing and dollars and where they're putting it. Um, you know, I don't know how much they put into that, but that's quite a bit of, of marketing uh, change you know, from the infrastructure to the marketing itself to whatever. And I mean, that's huge numbers. And, you know, if that would have traditionally gone toward a banner ad on I run far or a sponsorship for um, my uh, trail run series, which Salman has wanted uh, in the past, you know, that's definitely, I think, speaking to the realignment that was already in the works. And then what, I mean, what sells, I mean, where's the conversion? How many people were watching that? Right. I mean, that's, mm. That's huge. And so that that is interesting. But that also, for sure, to Brian's point, if you're then pulling the money from um, a lot of the athletes, as well as the events into some more central corridor of siphoning those dollars right up to the top or whatever, I mean, it's just a really interesting change. And that doesn't necessarily, I mean, I don't know where that morphs into or where that goes. But I mean, I, I guess that seems to be an already bigger realignment than necessarily anything to do with the pandemic. I mean, I think it gives an opportunity <clears throat> Thinking back to the day, like me a couple of years into ultra running, does it give a, a Montreal the position to to give out flagging to every single race, the yellow Montreal flagging with the Montreal logo or Innovate did a pretty good job of that for some years back again, sort of mid to late 2000s. Um, just some brand or two brands taking over <clears throat> the, the high ambassador number you know, real products on the ground at events kind of thing and giving away some shoes at events rather than dollars. And right. is, is somebody going to take over that kind of niche that's now opening up where maybe a, a Solomon or something was giving you some money alongside support um, in the past and who, who might sort of capitalize on that, what I see as an opening right now. Right, right. Those are w very much too uh, well thought out and nuanced, nuanced positions for hot takes. You guys missed the point entirely. Um, <laughs> I gave a time. I gave a time. <laughs> All right. Before we get started with the, the main event, um, let's just, I just wanted to touch on a couple of things that you guys have going on recently and in the near future. Ian, talk about Trails Collective, which I think has become or is starting to position itself maybe a little bit as the uh, I run far of the East Coast or the Northeast. All apologies to our current company yeah i figured that's why brian was kind of getting out and uh <laughs> basically liquidating iron far he, he was threatened by uh the nine people that just watched my, my live interview uh right before Eight if you don't include uh your wife <laughs> yeah yeah i switched off after 15 minutes i had to get ready for this. <laughs> and damn you <laughs> that was like 12 percent of my audience right there it was a good start but i had to go and get ready for this podcast Trails Collective, I figured that I needed one more thing uh, on my plate that uh, does, doesn't pay any bills. Uh, and so uh, this so I'm I guess this is, this is just me trying to celebrate like a larger community. So for me, where some of the uh, entities maybe focus on the larger national, international headlines, that's entertainment and it's fun for a lot of people. And it, it grabs a for sure a huge audience, but it wasn't necessarily, I think wasn't useful uh, for me. So some of the, I run far, you'll do the, like the, the, uh, this week in running in like certain areas. And, and so I think they do accomplish those, but I wanted to try to make it more a deeper dive and to try to give more exposure to, uh, other events and other individuals and other trails. And, uh, and I feel like that's really tough to do at a national level. And right. so I was trying to fragment it off at a regional uh, level. And so that's, that's really, uh, the hope. And I was trying to, while where every entrepreneurial, um, 
person with experience will tell you out there to, you know, not bite off multiple things in the beginning, focus on one thing, do it well. I felt like the Trails Collective, and this is probably every entrepreneur says, right? It's all like, but no, I'm going to do it this way and it's going <laughs> to actually work this time. And no, it's not. Um, but, but the hope was to try to make it a larger uh, collective where we'd have my vision. And, and I, can, I don't think that we can ever replicate it, but like the let's run message boards. Um, you know, if for uh, all of my friends that would, would love to not be on Facebook or love to not be or whatever. I mean, you can see this all the time, right? It's like, I don't want to be on this, but everybody's on it. And so you, and so I wanted to provide like an alternative to connect outside of that, that medium. If there, there was that opportunity, I wanted the uh, event calendar, which is a monstrosity in and of itself to, to try to, uh, make happen. I wanted, I've got the store because I needed an e-commerce solution for Finger Lakes anyway. And I felt like it would be a, a for sure, a niche uh, right. audience. And uh, and so I was trying to do all these things where I felt like it was a very much an interrelated uh, package. And that's kind of the strength of it. So we'll see, you know, it's only been going a, a year or so. And I don't know, you know, just like any business, I think I'll give it a couple of years uh, and I don't know, see if it, if people find value in it or not. And so still too early to know, I guess. Yeah, I think it's been really cool. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that you guys have put up have been great. And um, I had a lot of fun doing the uh, the New Year's Eve special was a ton of fun. And I, I think people are seeing a lot of value from it. So I hope you keep that going. Brian, you guys had a big announcement this week. Tell us uh, what's been going on with Iron Far. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I guess two Fridays ago now on the 15th, we uh, joined uh, the All Gear group as part of Lola Digital Media. It uh, kind of came out of the blue. Uh, We've been doing I Run Far. Or I've been doing I Run Far solo since it started in 2007, uh, or independently. And uh, yeah, just uh, got approached by a first contact from uh, Stephen Reginald at Gear Junkie, who I've known for more than a decade. And uh, he, Gear Junkie, is now part of All Gear. And uh, yeah, just said, "Hey, do you want to? Do you have any interest in at least talking about possibly joining us?" Up? And one conversation led to another, and it kept going in the right direction. And uh, we should uh there's not a whole lot of concrete details yet firmed up but we should have a lot more resources and an opportunity to go in new directions and uh it takes some hopefully of the administrative logistical kind of operation stuff that i do most of my day uh off my plate so i can get back to uh some of the creating and and editing at i run far oh that's awesome that 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 seems like you know you start out doing something like that and right with you know, your love of the sport and creative, being creative and, and um, you know, that sort of thing, being an artist and, and then, right, you kind of get bogged down in the details fairly quickly, I bet. Yeah, and Megan, Megan took over all the day-to-day editing uh, roles, so she gets to chat with the writers and, and, and guide that portion along, so I'll be happy to, to move back into hopefully a little bit more of that in the future. Nice, nice. Awesome. That's great. That's great. And just to go back and clarify a point from before, I don't actually b- believe that Camille is done. I like to to uh, joke about those things. I'm sure she's not listening, but uh, sorry, Camille. Keep keep. But if she is, but if, if she is, I'm sure she's not. <laughs> I'm sure she's not finished. It's just fun fun to talk about. Okay. All right, Phil. Do you remember when this was a podcast about like the science behind the sport and everything else? Like we were really we were going to dig into some of the scientific issues and like really kind of explain things on on like a you know, a real layman's, you know, break things down and for, for people who didn't have a scientific background and really talk about, you know, how the physiology and the medical side interacted and all that other stuff. I, I thought this podcast was about beer. Yeah, so the point I'm trying to make is 
Here we go. <laughs> Here we go with our shoe draft. Uh, <laughs> if now for something completely different. Like, you know, you've got to connect the biomechanics to the ground somehow, you know? You know, at, at one point I was almost a respectable podcaster. This is, uh, I don't know what we're doing here. All but... bets are off now. <laughs> yeah, no one likes respectable podcasters. Come on. This Agreed. is, uh, I, I, I've you're, been... You're gritty, you're cutting edge. That's what they want. I've, I've been trying to kind of put this, this little one together for a, a few months now. I'm excited that we're about to do it. So we've done a few drafts during the quarantine period uh, where there's not a lot of racing and stuff to talk about. We did our, our uh, fantasy men's and women's ultra running teams. Those were super fun. Uh, we had uh, Liza Lapierre on for the aid station draft, which was great. I will freely admit that I lost that one. I'm, I'm not conceding uh, or I guess I conceded the men's ultra running draft. You won that one. Yeah, I think I'm undefeated, actually. You're definitely not undefeated, no. Uh, okay, no, uh, <laughs> no, I, I easily by, by both fiat and popular acclaim, I won the, the women's ultra running draft, but tonight we're going to draft our perfect shoe closet. And I'm, I'm super excited that we have a couple of shoe experts on, uh, to help us with that. In addition to, to Phil, um, <laughs> we're going to draft, what we're going to do here is we're going to draft our favorite shoes in each of eight different categories. I'm gonna explain how this works. Uh, we've already put together our eight categories and uh, we, we have a draft order. The draft order is gonna kind of rotate around so that we all get to draft twice in each of the, the different positions in each category. And uh, the, these, we're, we're not drafting, just to be clear, we're not drafting necessarily current shoe models. This can be any shoe. I know we've all had long careers. This can be any shoe that you've ever enjoyed running in or ever saw and wanted to run in and that sort of thing captured your imagination. These are all-time shoe draft. This is the all-time shoe draft, okay? So the rules that we have here, and we've been over this, but I'm just going to reiterate mostly for Phil's sake because he tends to cheat. In, <laughs> in each round for each category, so uh, first of all, obviously once one shoe is picked, it cannot be picked again in any other category. So what if they all what if you all want to pick my shoe, though? Like, I don't, I don't want there to be a conflict here. What do you mean? But because I think whatever I say, you're going to be like, yeah, he's got the right answer. And that's the shoe that I want. So okay, I, then you win. Then you win. All right. It, it won't happen. Don't worry. <laughs> but yes, it, that that is that is the well, that's why we rotate the draft order, I guess, much like any other drafts. And then the the, the added twist is that each manufacturer can only be used once in each category. So, Phil, if you draft a Hoka shoe in, you know, the, the first category, if you're the first pick and I don't have, I, I have to look and see, nobody else can draft another different Hoka shoe for that category. It has to be a okay. different manufacturer completely. Uh, and and obviously, different versions of the same shoe are not allowed. So once somebody oh come on no 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 <laughs> once somebody drafts the speed goat, nobody can draft the speed goat two or anything like that. That's not a thing. That's the same shoe. No matter. I don't care I how many those under changes. the same product. Nope. Sorry. No. <laughs> no dice. No dice. All right. So our our eight categories are and uh, uh, should we yeah uh, should we go through them first or should we just go right into the draft? Just dive in. We're just going to dive right in. in. Okay. Well, I think Brian needs a, a little warning that he's probably going to need another beer. He's he's seen what's going on already and he's like uh, yeah this is <laughs> I, a definite. I'll, I'll tap problem. out and get one. I have some of my Canadian cooler, aka the entryway. So. I'll... Oh, nice. <laughs> All right. So round one, Ian, you're going to have the first pick, and uh, round one is going to be a road trainer. Oh, he's looking uh, around at the shoe wall already. So uh, my favorite road shoe of 2020, one that I did not think that I was going to like it as much. I didn't think it was going to be as durable as it's been, um, would be the uh, Brooks Hyperion Tempo. Uh, beautiful Shit. shoe. 
uh, beautiful uh, light um, burned out mesh upper, the DNA flash midsole, awesome energy return, durability is held up on the compression set, uh, outsole rubber uh, has not worn nearly as quick as some of the others. Amazing, amazing shoe. So that that's my number one. Crap. Okay. That took out not my shoe, but my manufacturer that I wanted for this one. Okay. The Brooks Hyperion. Brian, uh, and another thing that I forgot to mention, we can trade. I'm going to want to trade with somebody in a little while. But uh, Brian, if you want to go ahead with the second pick in the road trainer category. I don't have a whole lot of road trainers in my last couple decades, but <laughs> fortunately I've got a couple picks. But I'm going back more than a couple decades to the Adidas Equipment Cushion 1993. Nice. Classic road trainer. Great feel. Simple uh, midsole, simple upper. It just worked. Awesome. Awesome. Phil, the third pick in the round. All right. So I, for my, my road trainer, I'm going with a company based out of Houston, Texas called Atreyu. They are a new company. It's a subscription shoe service. Um, it's like, you know, they uh, recycle all their shoes. Um, it's $55 a shoe. It's pretty, pretty straightforward, but they are absolutely great shoes. And the, the one I like, they, they basically make one shoe in a whole bunch of different colors. Uh, they actually have a, a marathon shoe as well, but the one I like is called fear only regret. It's kind of yellow and blue. I mean, it has a great, uh, great kind of, uh, you know, rubber they use. It's, it's uh, super comfortable. Uh, I think they're doing a good job. So that's, that's my shoe. Brian, I see you throwing up your hands. Is that because you're frustrated that somebody else came up with the idea of figuring, no, no, no. Out, figuring out how to get this somebody is, to pay $50 every three months? Shoe, yes, exactly. Subscription shoe <laughs> you can put everything in a subscription these days. I actually have one of our uh, reviewers who's looking at the Atreyu and absolutely loves it right now. But no, it's a yeah. subscription for shoes. I mean, I guess it makes sense if it works for you. I think what I really like is their whole recycling program. I, I definitely have a bit of an issue with like just running shoes, getting thrown out, going into garbage tips. Sure. All right, good. That wasn't on my list, so that that's easy. <laughs> I have the last pick in this round. I am going to go back to my high school roots and say the Asics, uh, the Gel 1000, which is... Oh, that's a really good one. That's an old yeah, school, I I, I'm going to say 1989, cool. 1990, somewhere around there. It was even before the 1010 or it got into the 2000s. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was just a very simple neutral shoe with nothing in it except a little gel. Uh, you could put 800 miles on those and they would be great. Ian's making a face. It looks like <laughs> you he might as well at least yeah. pick the, what was it? The gel light with the split tongue. I mean, that would have been a little bit uh, uh, classier there. On that not one. a fan of the gel light. The great thing is, Jay, they'll be pulling those out of landfills in like 500 years. Oh, yeah, for sure. Them. You for still sure. put another 500 miles on them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On to round two. We are going to go to a road racing shoe. This can be an old school road flat. This can be, as Phil likes to say, a cheater shoe. Phil, you are in the driver's seat for this one. Uh, right. I have the I'm last pick. Hang on, hang on. Before you start, I have the last pick in this round. I wouldn't mind trading up. Uh, is there anyone who would want to trade down? I can offer the... Uh, I could offer round? The, I could offer the... Um, round three, I'll make you a deal. Ooh. All right, I'll, I'll flip with you in round three. You, you want to okay. take the first pick in round three? I'll take the second and... and um, it's a deal. All right, good. Flip them around. So you're going to be third in this round and I'll be fourth. Or you're going to be fourth in this round. I'll be third. Good. Go ahead. All right, Phil, you're up first. All right. Well, I think uh, I'm going to go with the ultimate cheetah shoe. I'm going to get the Nike Zoom Alpha Fly. 
any shoe that rolls in at $300 a pair uh, has to be good. And according <laughs> to the numbers, it's going to make you run, what are we at now, 5% faster? Do you 15. get 10% every year that you get with the shoe? <laughs> you know, I think, no, I think we're probably almost at 6% faster now, aren't we? Depends on how it depends on what beer you're on. How many beers have you had? <laughs> you're going to be going too fast to your own legs eventually with these shoots. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm a Nike Zoom Alpha Fly guy. All right, very good. I had that. I I actually had the Zoom Fly on my list. Believe it or not, uh, Ian, oh, you have the like second three choice. Behind old school, I like it. Have you guys tried the Alpha Fly? Have you have you had that on? No, I tried Jay's. Uh, Those are the, the, the Vapor Flies. That. The Vapor Flies. The vapor Fly, and it was. Yeah, I, I went to get a beer during the Super Bowl, was it? And uh, I got there definitely three I, seconds quicker. Yeah, it was. The, it might have been during the Olympic trials, actually. And Brian, no alpha flies are getting sent your way, right, for I Run Far? Yeah, totally. I'll, I'll be, you know, running down my snow-packed street tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, if there's an avalanche, your feet will come up first. Oh, yeah, great, I'll drown in the down. snow. <laughs> <laughs> but they'll think, see my feet, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, exactly. That thing Four is miles away. Is pretty, you can see a pair of glowing alpha flies in the snow. <laughs> that thing is pretty ridiculous. Um, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's just yeah. That's why I had to choose it. It's beyond ridiculous. Anyway, Ian, sec second pick is yours. Oh, sorry. Uh, what were you going to say? Yeah, some of the women I uh, post collegiates that I sponsor, uh, the trials runners, came back up and getting the uh, alpha flies from the the trials. Yeah able to try one of them on and it's yeah it's just uh, it's absolutely ridiculous and it's crazy to uh, uh why we won't get stuck no 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 I, I will say i will say just having a just having, podcast topic talking about these cheetah shoes just having the vapor flies on i mean the first time you put them on it, it they are they're they're actually they almost feel hard to stand still in like they really just standing still feel like they want you to move forward but i will say it is i mean they are not lying about the hundred miles i would i would say a hundred miles on the on the outside for getting some sort of benefit out of those. And after about 50 miles, I felt like most of the life was gone. It's, it's, it's oh, pretty my Leadville shoe. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just bring up a very good point to, uh, here was, um, Phil and round run one going off on the, uh, landfills, recycle a shoe <laughs> program. <laughs> Dude, this shoe will never die. And that was your top choice. Come on. Consistency here, man. Gosh, Ian, All people right. have short memories. <laughs> uh -huh. All right. It's already another news cycle. Come Kim's on. not asking today? Oh, my God. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> All right. Mine. 2016's Mizuno Wave Ekadin 12. Uh, firmer, responsive midsole. Bit of a shark fin uh, grip on the outsole there. 2014 stack heights for a drop of six. And sweet spot uh, and weight of 4.6 ounces. Whoa. Wow. Classic classic uh unlike the current cheater road shoes um one that is exceptional but you still got to earn it that's awesome that's awesome i, I I'm, I'm loving the fact that, that you have every shoe exactly well, what i was gonna right. say for every pick he like reaches behind and pulls out the shoe that's fantastic <laughs> We're just here drinking beer, and you're just like pulling shoes out. You know? <laughs> I now have the number three pick in this round. I, I, I wanted to go with a, a shoe from my past, but I am going to go with a cheater shoe as well. Um, I'm going to pick the Hoka One One Carbon X, not the X2 because I haven't run in it yet. But I'm going to take right. the Carbon X, which, having run in both the Carbon X and the Vaporfly, I can say I, I much prefer the Carbon X. 
it gets a similar. It's not as as quite as pronounced a recoil as you get with the with the Vaporfly or God knows about the Alphafly, but uh, it just feels more like a shoe and less like a device, I guess. Um, and I think I think that one it's like two dollars a mile, whereas the Alphafly <laughs> it's three dollars a mile, right? <laughs> Uh, I, I will say they've held up quite a bit more. I've, I've actually been able to do several training runs in them, like faster training runs, and, and still feel like they have some life in them. So, <laughs> which uh, is just which is crazy. You're like you're qualifying. <laughs> you're like I've actually been able to do a few training runs. Well, know? I mean, as and a, he sounds so grateful. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. Look, I ran. I did two runs in the in the Vaporfly before the the race that I bought them for. And by the time I got to the start line of the race, they felt like they were finished. They had 20 miles on them. So that's crazy. It is. It's unbelievable. Brian, finish this off in round two. And I could still run in my 1998 A6 DS racers. That was uh, that was that was what I was. That's that was what I was. Uh, I, I think I have some of those somewhere. I still have mine somewhere back in Moab, yeah. and they'd still run all right. They were my actually my cross country yeah, flat race. for a bunch of years in uh, college, and they were my first road flat out of college, and. Damn good shoe. That was that was what I was going to go with if the if the Carbonex hadn't been available. That or the Kinovaras. That's a great shoe. I love the the old DS racer. Is there a lot of conversation about that? I mean, here we're touching on it here, but obviously that's all the rage. But I, I haven't delved into the abyss of threads. But I mean, you're, I mean, is that talked about in, in terms of the obsolescence of the the shoe versus? You know, some of these others. I haven't heard people talking about it. And it's interesting. I, I, I don't know if that's a, pro, uh, a product of the fact that people aren't running in those sort of things anymore in, on the roads. And I don't think any of us are as plugged into the road and marathon circuit as we used to be. But I, I don't know if just people aren't doing it or it's just that so much of the conversation is monopolized by these, you know, carbon fiber plate, you know, type things. And, and if it's just crowding out the, the discussion of all the other stuff. Other stuff's getting discontinued for sure. Even like really popular models. Yeah. But I guess more, how, how much are people really dwell or really diving into just that? I mean, Brian pointing out a shoe that's still good in your closet from 20 years you know, ago, 20 years ago versus the, I mean, I mean, that's a huge impact. And to have the mass marketing and the mass wear and purchase of these, that's a huge footprint or impact in terms of the, uh, resource and environmental impact nolo baby nolo well i mean sorry yeah people are just (laughs) people are people are in the moment like like they want their best absolute performance now and to pay for it i mean we've seen this in cycling for right and that's the thing i mean there there have been there have been attempts there have been attempts uh to make recyclable shoes or you know biodegradable shoes or that sort of thing and and you know those are noble attempts that i think we all support at least in theory but um yeah i think people are just paying for for paying for performance at this point and you know uh, it, i think we we probably all need to do i don't want to speak for everybody else on this line but you know we all need to do a better job of you know using our pocketbooks to support the causes that we believe in but uh you know when it comes down to racing who, who's gonna you know I, I don't see a lot of people paying for you know biodegradable racing flats it just hasn't happened yet bummer brian you traded up for the number one pick in round three which is the ultra trail shoe and it is also a road racing flat, the New Balance 1400 V3. Wow. An amazing road flat, an amazing hard rock shoe. It is pretty much the best shoe I've ever worn. Oh, it Be is the careful. best shoe. Jay, ever worn. Jay doesn't like these uh, cross, uh, cross category. Uh, oh, no, I don't mind that at all. No, that's totally cool. A, a savage attack. <laughs> No, no, that's fine. That's fine. I, I, if, if you tried to go the other way, t- picking a trail shoe for a road race, that would have seemed 
uh, hinky, but I don't I don't mind taking a road shoe out in the trails. That's that's great. I have the second pick. I am going to take the Solomon S Lab Ultra, the Francois shoe, which I wore at Leadville in twenty, whenever that was, eighteen, I think. Great shoe, just uh, all around great shoe. Um, which 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 one though? Which one? Which one? What? The original. I think there's a few. The, the first Ultra three. No, no, no. no. The, the, fir- the, the first three. one, the yeah. the red and blue. Okay. Yeah. All right. The the three has no wings. It went from two to one to zero of those flappy things. Yeah. No. The 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 one with the two wings. Yes. Yeah. Ian, you're up third pick in this round. So our so this is wild. I, we're probably one of the only stores, probably the only store in the country who carries all brands except intentionally for Nike. Um, that our number three shoe in the store was a trail shoe. Uh, and from Topo and Topo Ooh. was our, made up the, the most market share in our store of any of the brands literally finished. I think like the year 2020, only six pairs behind, uh, Hoka. And it was largely driven by the, uh, Topo ultra venture one ultra venture, I think is a pretty outstanding shoe. I think I've run and tested most uh topo shoes this is the only one i didn't i think i just assumed i'd love it right now on my feet as i'm talking i'm wearing the uh v2 which uh formally releases next week which i've been testing for the past month or so um a little bit of a a change up in some of the properties but a really amazing shoe for vast majority a good amount of uh four foot volume to allow the the four foot to splay over the, the long haul a big enough stack height uh you've got the vibram uh outsole there for durability I think a great all-around uh, ultra beater shoe right here. The uh, the sole looks pretty aggressive as well. It seems like it has probably pretty good grip on like technical terrain. It's nice. It does. Yeah, they use these. I don't know whether you caught, and um, it's it's fair if you didn't. The uh, I just did a review the past two weeks uh, trying to tease out the stickiest outsole rubber on the market, and so I took nine of the top rubbers head-to-head in the same conditions over the slickest uh, terrain that I've ever experienced, which is our sleek, slick Creek, slick rock Creek behind us, basically. Um, <clears throat> and I took the, the update to this one, which uses an excess, uh, Vibram excess track V, uh, Evo material, which I just assumed would be close enough to, uh, Vibram as a comp. And it really didn't perform that well. Uh, and so I went back out for a bonus round this past week with the, uh, ve- uh the mega grip in, um, a couple models, but uh, specifically with uh, a mountain racer here, still using the Mega Grip and a couple others, and the Mega Grip definitely had more traction. So, to your your observation, yeah, the lug pattern is pretty aggressive here, but it's not mm-hmm. quite as sticky as the uh, the Mega right. Grip. Cool. I didn't know we get a topo right. in there. That's great. Phil, finish us off in Ultra Trail shoe. All right. So I'm going to go with a Hoka shoe. Surprised I made it this far without mentioning one. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Evo Mafate 2. Um, pretty aggressive grip, vibrant sole, drains really nicely, nice toe box on it. It's a really good shoe. Awesome. I love it. Awesome. Have you tried the 3? No. I don't think that's come out yet, has it? Is it not formally out? Maybe I'm uh, mixing things up. But there was one. They released a 2. But what? maybe maybe they're, they're planning to release a 3 soon. Um, maybe you're right. I just got one that I had a... Uh... I got to I got to edit it still, but a recent wear test of one that we just got in. I thought it was the three. Um, or is it Mafati? I think it was. In any case, I thought. What size are you, Phil? Ten and a half. Ten and a half. Uh, actually, eleven in Hoka in general. Yeah. All right. 
actually, I'll try to remember that because I'm a size 11, so maybe I can feed some stuff your way. But I'm pretty sure it was uh, one of the uh, brand new Mafatis that was out, and he he absolutely loved it. My wear tester. Yeah, I've I've the pair I've had I've really enjoyed. Great in the cat skills. Um, I took a pair out to do Fat Dog. Unfortunately, it was cancelled when I got out there, but still using it around on some of the terrain. It was really really good shoe. I really really enjoyed it. Sweet. Cool. Round four, moving on to the technical trail shoe. This can be for any distance. I originally envisioned this as more of a sub-ultra, but really anything but for tackling the real gnarly stuff. Brian, you have the first pick once again. What do you have for technical trail shoe? Well, I'm barred from picking the New Balance 1400 once again. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so I'm going to go with my favorite uh, pacing shoe of all time, Montreal Hard Rock. Uh, now that it was quick, it couldn't dance around the rocks, but damn, you could kick anything you wanted. You didn't have to look at your feet. You just like <laughs> plowed through stuff. And you had all your toenails at the end of a race. Oh, 100%. You might actually grown some more. Like so nice to run with that kind of confidence. <laughs> See, I love now, it. Now that's, that's spoken like a true, like West coast, oh. Colorado trail runner, like, you know, technical trail. F that I'm just gonna run through it with tanks on my feet, and it's just gonna. It's I gonna was be running into Massey Nuns in Virginia during those times. So, <laughs> yeah, I was pacing Matt Nutton, Massey Nutton in those days. Phil, uh, the the king of the cat skills, Phil, or at least the crown prince of the cat skills. We'll save the the king moniker for Mike Sudi. Uh, All right. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing it justice if I didn't get this shoe in there. But it's a Hoka. Sh Can I use Hoka again? Yeah, can, yeah, right? yep. Hasn't yeah. been used. You can't use that same Speed model, but yeah, Speed Goat Four. I love that that shoe. It's so snug. Uh, that Vibram sole. It can grip. You know, you can walk up a wall in that thing. Uh, yeah. So Speed Goat Four for me. Nice, nice. I am torn between a couple. For I have the third pick in this, and I am a little bit torn. I'm going to save one of them and see if I can steal it in the next round. And I'm going to go with what was uh, my favorite really my favorite technical shoe probably of all time. So it's, it's fitting correctly. I'm going to take the Innovate X-Talon 212, uh, the original X-Talon with, I think, a six millimeter uh, heel toe drop and just super knobby, super grippy outsole. Um, really great for like mud and uh, uphill running, but, but handled rocks really well as well. And just, you know, super light and responsive and, and uh, able to really dance your way over anything. I love that shoe. Ian. Last pick in the technical trail shoe round. That is a good call on the X Talent. Thank it's you. It's good to see the founder uh, reacquiring or purchasing Innovate. And so hopefully that's about to uh, I hope go so. back to the roots. I agree. That company's been a mess. Yes, um, agree. So if if it wasn't taken, one of my potentials in this category, which I'll just point it out, just I don't know if there's another place for it, but the vote won't stay because the, the brand's already taken. Even though i not have always not been a fan of the brand one that I absolutely loved because it kind of wasn't didn't fit feel like the brand the Hoka Evo Jaws was probably yeah. one of my it's pretty cool fave. oh it's amazing I mean its durability was as, as good as the Alpha Fly or whatever um, but it was pretty amazing all right but so since since that's out um, I am going to go with my favorite shoe of 2020 uh, which is the uh, Solomon uh, Wild Cross here. Oh, uh, yeah, I've loved, seen those. Loved it. Loved that they widened the midfoot gauge a little bit, boxed out the toe uh, just a hair. Um, absolutely loved this shoe for all around. Pretty aggressive lug pattern. Uh, Contagrip TA uh, is fairly good in terms of grip and uh, 
love this shoe. Are they- How does it compare to the old Felcross? Like, because the Felcross was like one of those for me, like a great value shoe a couple years back. I didn't carry the Felcross, and so I'm no. not okay. sure. How yeah, flexible I are they? Because they they've I, I they I, I'm afraid <laughs> something like that is going to be. Oh no! See, yeah, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, I, yeah, I just no worry that they like, get too yeah. stiff. Yeah, no, and this is like a shoe that I've hated, uh, oh. even though it was one of their better shoes, was the, the Speed Cross. And so this is what I always wish the Speed Cross would have been. The Speed Cross is just like this brick on my foot that has a wicked narrow midfoot that just gouges out my arch. Yeah. And I was just like, how does anybody wear this thing? Agreed. I don't like it. And this is what I always wish it could have been. All so. right. I meant the Fell Razor, my bad. It was the Fell Razor that was seemed like a similar shoe. And what I couldn't remember was how close the Fell Razor was to the the speed cross and design. I just don't It I was don't much le- it wasn't that brick feeling. Yeah. Okay. I, so I maybe, it's, that, maybe it's long. But yeah. it wasn't minimal at all. Like with Solomon's I, I you, you can run into that just really stiff for some reason just no flexibility and and it, it just varies from model to model. It's not a consistent thing throughout the brand. It's it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right, round five. Phil, you're going to have the first pick, and we are going to go to the all-around trail shoe. So this is kind of a catch-all category. What's that? I'm first. Excellent. You, you are okay. first. Uh, this is catch-all, all-around. This is this can be, you know, West Coast single track. This can be uh, Shawangunk, Carriage Rose. This can be Catskills, whatever, you're, whatever you're flo- yeah. floats your boat in this one. This well, is meat and potatoes right here. Yeah, exactly. This yeah, is your go-to kinda, shoe. Kinda, it kind of pains me, but I do like the, uh, the Nike uh, Pegasus Trail 2. I know you like that shoe. I've I've kind of kind of bit the bullet and bought a pair and I wasn't super keen and and actually I do like it as an all-round shoe. Yeah. I, I like it. That foam like is it, it has a great great tread on it. It has a super comfortable upper. Like the heel grip sham really nicely. The lacing setup is really good and the foam is really good. So I'm a little bit torn about about Nike as a as a company, but uh, I like that shoe. Um, yeah, so that's my that's my pick there. You're you're a little bit torn, but you have two Nikes in your shoe closet so far, yeah. and <laughs> that's two more than any of us have taken so far. But I agree that yeah. that if I if I had had the first if choice, I wasn't torn, you should have seen my picks. <laughs> <laughs> if I had had the first choice in that category, that that was uh, definitely going to be on my list. Uh, and I had another Nike on there that I don't think anyone is going to pick anywhere else. So I'm I'm tempted to mention it, but I might save it for another category. So I'll I'll save it for later. Uh, I'm going to go with the the New Balance MT100, the original Anton shoe. It was a shoe that underwent some rather unfortunate changes as soon as it moved to like the 101 even. Uh, but that first year, it was just, it was like, this was, I'm going to say right around 2009 or so uh, was when this one came out. And uh, it was one of the first kind of or I don't know if it was one of the first, but it was at the forefront of the kind of lower drop, super responsive, not overly cushioned trail shoes. Uh, and it was it, it was just a pleasure to run. And this this was when um, the Cascadia was probably kind of at the forefront of the kind of trail shoe line, or I guess whatever you would say. And uh, this one came along and, and really kind of redefined, I think, what trail shoes could be. I love that shoe. Uh, Ian, you have <laughs> the third pick in round five. Yes, and you just pulled the uh, pulled the carpet out from underneath Brian there. I'm assuming he was going to have a second go at that New Balance 1400. And dude, <laughs> what is that he? Third, in a third go right there. Now, he has right. a <laughs> man is lost now. All right, I'll give him time. Give him a moment to think about it. Yeah, I'm just, I opened my second beer. I'm, I'm going to console myself. <laughs> um, so I'm like gonna... young there. You got plenty more beers in your future. <laughs> oh, indeed. So I'm going to go with one that I feel is 
can really handle it. The outsole rubber is some of the stickiest uh, on the market. The durability uh, is better than uh, anything on the market in terms of uh, outsole rubber. Midsole is firm enough uh, to be responsive over technical terrain, yet it's flexible enough to take some road miles, enough volume in the forefoot to take some um, pushing out. I am going to go with the uh, Innovate Terra Ultra G270. Nice. Oh. Nice. I had the um, the Rocklight 280 was uh, something else I was considering for this category. I love that shoe as well. Uh, Brian, last pick in the round. It, it overrules my second choice in this category, which would be the Brooks Cascadia 4, which was kind of the go-to all-around trail shoe at that time until the Montreal Bajada came along and did the same thing in two ounces less. <laughs> so it's the Montreal Bajada. Nice. And I'm, I ran in the Montreal ba oh, Bajada threes yesterday. Like, no, no flash, no flare, but it just gets the job done. That's what we're looking for. All right. Probably you, it's probably you and Meisner, the only ones out there still. <laughs> we actually were talking about <laughs> rocking that shoe. The Montreal FKT Ascent looks very much like I, I bought a pair, but haven't worn them yet because they look mm. very similar. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> All right. On to round six. Ian, you're going to have pick number one in this round. And this round is going to be for the best looking shoe. You can define that however you want. Yeah, that's a pretty, right? Obviously ridiculous uh, concept. Um, I Shut the fuck up. To, I am going yeah. to. Yeah. Back off the Diet Coke, dude. <laughs> <laughs> dude he, he's the Joe Rogan of uh, ultra running podcast right now. You know how he much toxicity is in Diet Coke, dude? I wouldn't touch that stuff. Are you kidding me? All right, he's talking so, to me. <laughs> oh, oh, good. Oh, I was oh like, yeah, what? no, I'm, I'm talking to Jay. <laughs> um, all right, so one that uh, I think when I maybe highlighted it in the uh, wear test and review that I did, I I think I uh, grafted onto Neo's uh, feet in a uh, a screen grab there. <laughs> um, it would work just as well on uh, in the uh, Matrix as well as on uh, Ninjas and the Wicked Slick. Uh, S Lab uh, cross Ooh, here, nice with the uh, the gecko pods underneath. Talk about wickability. Wow. The knit upper, uh, the matrix uh, woven in here. The slick lines. The thing is pretty. I think they. Uh, I think they designed that that uh, that tread pattern when they looked at an X ray of my mouth. <laughs> pretty, yeah, pretty cool. Uh -huh. <laughs> is that a gator? I consulted my dentist when they did that. It's a now gator. A yeah, that, that's cool. Yeah, it's yeah. badass. Phil, you're up. Oh, number two. Which number two. Best, best looking. Best shoe? looking. You couldn't tell from looking at that beautiful shoe. Uh, it was yeah. No, I, I kind of got the picture. All right, so I'm going <laughs> with uh, with a slightly uh, a, a less well known one, I guess. I'm going with an Under Armour H O V R Machina off road, and. Uh, <laughs> The thing I really love about this shoe is on the side of it, it says, keep hammering. I'm like, there's nothing better than a shoe with a logo on the side. You know, just, you have all this, like... You just like a shoe with its own catchphrase. You know, <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I'm not quite sure what to do when I'm wearing it, so... Uh, but aside from that, you know, it's uh, it's kind of a sharp-looking shoe. I don't, I don't have one on display like Ian does there. But, uh, yeah, I like it. And I think... Under Armour are making some moves in the in the trail running category, so we'll see. All right, what's that? What's the one called? I want to look it up. It's oh, it's the Machina. Yeah. Huh. Pretty pretty interesting. It's a nice looking shoe. 
All right. All right. Uh, I have the third pick in this category. I'm going to go off the board and take the Walsh PB Elite. I have an example for you right here. That's just, look at those classic lines, right? Nice and simple. Brings to mind the old, almost uh, like an old waffle racer, right? It's got Dude, a really- your prom shoe. What are you talking about? It's got a fun little waffly type pattern there. Good for those, it's a yeah. fell running shoe, but just as comfortable out on the town. Classic, you can see- uh, Classic English shoe, right, isn't it? It is, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful pair of shoes right there. Where'd you get that? The short-lived Shawanga Grunner Company oh. was the uh, the only oh. US, US distributor of wall shoes. No wonder you were a short <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh-huh. We we were trying we were going for the uh you know the fashion market. It didn't quite work yeah. out for us. And uh you know That's all Fifth Avenue. That's not where you were. <laughs> no, exactly. But you know, we got a lot of people up from the city. We thought people would be walking walking around the, the village in those things. Uh I got a, the the lesson I learned from importing wall shoes, uh customs is expensive. It's uh it's it's not cheap. <laughs> wow, for running shoes? Wow, so you, there wasn't even a U.S. distribution. No. You had to literally import that. Oh yeah, no, I I, <laughs> call, I called you know whatever to the dude who you know probably was you know uh, sewing glu- the shoes together, gluing the outsole onto the onto the midsole. Um, you did the job with a pint of bitter gluing gluing his outsoles. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Sorry, Brian, you are up. Finish this off in round six. Best looking shoe. I am. I'm just winning here today because I'm going to bring in the Adidas <laughs> Equipment Support 1993. White, blue stripes, just classic lines of a, a running shoe. I loved it. Some black highlights. Old school. Yeah. No, I mean, like, no, the, like, it. like the, classic rappers could have worn that on yeah, stage. Nothing like old Adidas as that's, well. That's exactly know, what like, I was going Rocking my nothing Adidas. Wrong. And, and, like, it's actually called Adidas, but I'm going with you guys tonight. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, classic look. It, it never gets old. I like it. Round seven, and I'm willing to trade down because I have a couple of good, I have a couple of good ideas in this round. So if anyone's concerned about missing out on their their favorite pick for this one, I have the first pick. I'm willing to trade down in exchange for round eight. Uh, this is the the your favorite shoe that incorporated some sort of new tech. Now this can be broadly defined. You know, new tech could be, you know, some sort of cushioning system. New tech could be a lacing issues. A new tech could be, uh, you know, we we've already had a couple of carbon plate shoes in there. But your favorite shoe that incorporated some aspect of new tech or a new concept into the shoe. I have the first pick. Does, is anyone concerned about not getting their first pick and wants to trade up for it? I'm, I'm a little shaky, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold and hope <laughs> I fall in the draft. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm just going to go. I, I have a couple of choices that I really like. And I, I have to say, I, I knew that, that the... The Vaporfly and the and the Carbon X would likely be gone, and I, I briefly flirted with the idea of uh, the the Reebok Instapump Fury, which incorporated was. <laughs> the, the, I don't know if you guys remember that one. That was a yellow. It had a yellow upper, and it, it actually had both the pump and it was the first shoe with a carbon plate in it. But um, no, I'm gonna go. I'm actually gonna go way back, 1974, the Nike Waffle Racer, uh, the first shoe to incorporate a waffle outsole you know, changed what running shoes could be. And also just a fucking damn good looking shoe, especially in those old Oregon colors with the yellow and the green. Uh, just a beautiful shoe. So yeah. give me the shoe that changed running shoes. But uh, yeah, I hear you. What's that? It was actually 1972. 1972 is when he got the patent. 1974 was the first year they came out. 
Wow, uh, look at you! Look at you guys! Oh, I did I a little bit. I did a little, did a little bit of research. Anyway, I did a little research as well. Did you go to the Sotheby's <laughs> website and check out the one that sold? That's the problem these days. Four hundred thirty-seven thousand dollars. Yeah, insane. It's crazy. Yeah. Those were not the. Those were not the you green. You cannot buy them from me. Sorry, I'm holding on. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, you have uh, the second pick in the new tech shoe category. So part of me just wanted to play a clip of the one that I had mentioned in the uh, the email thread. Maybe I'll hold on that because I'm, I'm thinking in the moment that really new tech, right? So the one that I was going to play you, it brings together a lot of things in kind of a new way, but it's not necessarily anything particularly new. So I'm going to actually default to what I was going to go with and kind of flip the concept a little bit where questionable whether it even qualifies as new tech. He's already cheating, gonna, Phil. Yeah, so I'm going to go with the uh, Vibram Five Fingers KSO. Oh, sure. Um, I'll take that. Oh, my God. I can't believe because, you just stole one of my, <laughs> one of my choices. I am because, now like... Because I feel like, all right, so all right, that was right, the cultural shift. You had any number of uh, biomechanical paradigms are at work there. You had the born to run. Uh, but in terms of really upending the industry, I saw literally every company but ASICs respond to uh, that movement in biomechanics and mm -hmm. drop things down. And, and that stayed to a certain extent. And so uh, that's going to be my pick. I agree. I, I've said this more times than I care to count. You know, whatever you think of the, the quote unquote minimalist movement and everything else, it spawned it and, and Vibram by extension spawned more innovation in the shoe technology space than anything in 30 years, probably. It was perfectly timed though at this basically the same time or very shortly thereafter you had maximalism with hoka right and i think minimalism it all shattered it a little bit but basically for like a period of two maybe three years like anything was fair game and then you had like a lot of those technological adva advances in both sides the foams the right minimalist construction coming together in the middle and then you had this new like 10 ounce shoe that was so much better than the 12 and a half ounce shoe that you right. had three years ago. But, but for the first it. time in forever, right? Because before no, that, totally. it was it was all just like everything had a 12 millimeter drop and it was basically just like, what was the proprietary thing that you were putting in the midsole? That was like the and only- And any hiking, any hiking company could come up with the same day. Exactly like, come right. Up with a trail shoe. Right, yeah. right. Brian, you have the third pick in this round. Oh man, I am just sticking true to my roots. Adidas Equipment TR Response 1993. It brought the trail shoe. I mean, maybe maybe the Walsh just came before, but it was the first mass market trail shoe that I know of in the U.S. Remember the the trail rudder on Ultras? Yeah, it was on the the Response TR, like neoprene monotongue, nineteen ninety three, and the you know Response TR. Like it it brought a lot of things together, and it was a trail shoe. Nice. I nice. think you have this great niche in this trail running shoe market. You're like a trail running shoe historian. <laughs> I like that. It's very much unique, like section of the trail running world. You know, it's very good. I like seems it. like it's hovering around that. That maybe it was very much his uh, trail. His his running sexual awakening <laughs> seems to have. <laughs> Have, have happened in 1993. I, were you in college? Were you in Haverford there, buddy? Where, no, where? no, this was pure high school. This was driving down to Ewing Sports and picking up a pair of shoes off the shelf, New Jersey. Uh huh. That was a that was a fine period for you, man. My formative years. What can I say? Mm -hmm. I think I think Brian has a shoe cave out there with them all on display. It's like <laughs> they're, all, they're all 30 years old. 
<laughs> they're all going to go up in value. You'll you'll be putting them into Sotheby's for auction at some point. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> Phil finishes off in round seven. All right. Um, well, I was going to, yeah, go with the latest carbon plate shoe, but I'm going to go with something different because it's winter where I live and it's cold and icy. And I'm going to go with the Sorconi Peregrine Ice Plus. It has this vibram sole that apparently grips on ice to stop you cracking your head open when you go out running. Um, I don't know if you tested this out, Ian, but this sounds absolutely amazing to me. It doesn't have spikes, but it like grips in the wet ice. On wet uh, ice, I don't in know about it, but it sounds amazing. And I'm I want a pair. So that's my They're choice. Pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you have Do you have a pair, Brian? I've run on them. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it grip wet ice, right? Like, there's no spikes or. It's basically like a, they're going after like a sandpaper texture to, right. to get the traction. Gotcha. I mean, it sounds incredible. I saw... You go into the shoe cave. Oh, he's got him there. <laughs> oh, he's got it. Oh, he's finally broken it out. He's on his second beer, and he's like, right, I'm going to show the lad. The, the... Yeah, I mean, if you want me to go in my closet, I'll get it out of the closet. <laughs> Do they work? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, like on, on ice, they work great. It's not, they don't have super yeah. deep lugs. It's got a lot of like... Yeah. It's like smearing. It's, it's a pretty flat surface, even if it looks like there's lugs. Um but that means a lot of surface area and contract contact. So yeah, I, I saw like one of the like shoe retailer like conference things. They had someone walking up an ice slope in them, and I was yeah. like, "Wow, that is that's amazing. That's like, cool, really incredible. No spikes, so you know you can run on a regular road in it if there's no ice. And when you switch onto an ice section or whatever, you got grip. Yeah, and there's, there's is, uh, Vibra makes two different ice compounds. This is the Arctic Grip. I think they have like, yeah. the Ice Trek Plus is the other one. And one is for like dry ice and one is for ice with a little bit of like wetness on it. And I wish they'd make a, co uh, a shoe that bridged both of them. Cause I think it would be a yeah. great, or even urban running shoe. Cause if you're running in Philly or New York or Chicago or Minneapolis, like right. you're running the winter streets if they're icy depending on, or ice with water, depending on the time of day. But I mean, so far I've not convinced any manufacturer to do that. Yeah. A trip to the uh, ER for me is probably going to be a couple hundred bucks. I may as well buy some shoes that don't, don't slip on the ice, you know? Indeed. I don't know if the logic holds up there, but okay. Yeah, I crack my head. I pay my copay. <laughs> I should just buy this good juice. <laughs> Keep drinking the Diet Coke, buddy. All right. <laughs> All right. Our eighth and final round by popular acclaim is going to be the running shoe for non-running. What, run, what is your favorite running shoe that you own or have owned that you don't run in or wear for casual use or for non-running use? Brian, you have the honor in the final round. Taking them off my feet right now. <laughs> Ultra Lone Peak 4. Just the Ultra Lone Peak. And I, I've worn multiple versions. Uh, just a super comfortable, uh, casual kick around shoe. I don't even tie them. Just kind of tuck the laces under my feet. And wide toe box, nice cushioning, breathable upper. A close number two, the Lone Peak 2 Neo Shell, which I have just keep tied in my uh, entryway. And they're perfect for just slipping on to go shovel the front walk or walk to the post office uh, but yeah the lone peaks a pretty hard to beat kick around shoe nice phil second pick oh second pick okay um i'm going with the hoka challenger atr it's a good um you get the one with a black sole and a black upper it looks super sharp you can wear it like black tie you can be it's kind of like John Wick, Jason Bourne all combined. You can go out for a casual drink, but if it ends up being, you know, uh, a night of jumping across buildings and, you know, 
just going out and <laughs> kind of having to move more quickly than you want, it's a great shoot. If you miss the night bus home, you can also run home in them. So it's great. Does that happen a lot in New Paltz? Do you find yourself out like jumping across buildings? It's like been it's well, been a while since you've been the, here. Things have gotten a little crazy during the pandemic. So come on down, we'll show podcast, you a good time. I guess when you get in the podcast, I'll tell you a story about a night out in Newport's where I struggled to get home and uh -huh. I had to make my own way, but it's probably best not broadcast. <laughs> nice. Uh -huh. I I have the third pick in this round. I am going to go with the uh, the classic Nike Free. Came in about, I'm going to give a conservative mm -hmm. estimate of 375 different colorways. Uh, so really could match any mood, any outfit. Was super comfortable. Obviously the most flexible shoe probably that we've ever seen. And I wore an all-black pair to my wedding. So that is... That's going to be my pick for a non-running running shoe. I would never run more than... Take me back to, to 2005 right there. I got married in 04, so there you go. <laughs> what no, 03. I got married in 03. Okay. What's that? What else did you wear? Just the shoes? <laughs> yeah, just the shoes. You should see <laughs> my, you should you, see my wedding album. I love you live on the edge, dude. It's so awesome. It's great. It's <laughs> Here great. I am for everyone. I was, I was a free spirit back then. <laughs> Not like, I'm not, not, it's not the buttoned up formal appearance you see now. <laughs> Ian, finish us off. That, in, that in three the... piece suit is looking pretty good right now. I got to admit, <laughs> I'm impressed. Finish us off in our, in our inaugural shoe draft. What is your non-running running shoe? All right. So since I've got a bajillion around here and, and wearing them at any given time, yet you're the contest here and the way Phil first, uh, I think put it out there on the email thread was the the shoe that you'd wear into like a pub or a bar or something like that. It, I probably haven't been into one in about a decade or so, but <laughs> if I were to, um, it, you all led me to actually, um, and I, I'm sure Sherry will never listen to this. Uh, so I think we're, we're probably safe here. Um, <laughs> but I, I actually purchased two more shoes last night. Oh God, you bought <laughs> shoes. You own a running company. I did. <laughs> I bought two pair of the same shoe because you know what? I, I was worried that they may not be around much longer. And it was such a classic shoe, uh, that, and I, I'm, the justification was here to wear casually like into a bar. So those with history and insider status will, will kind of know and respect the cult classic on your feet. They've got the full-on eco story that uh, Atreyu could just only uh, want to go after uh, <laughs> there. And so I went with the uh, the Brooks Green Silence. Yes! In, yes! In the, in the Rio Red Crown Blue. That still red. exists? On eBay. I found two used pairs. Oh, I was going to say, like that's not been for sale for a no. while. I found one of the original colorway in the Ronald McDonald Hanson's colors in a size. How much 10. do you have to pay for these? Shall, you're not going to listen to this. Forty-five, forty-five dollars. That's oh, okay, it. Okay. That's it. That's it. And uh, oh my god, ten and a half, and then one in the uh, I forget what other color I bought, but it was something that the I Ronald McDonald wear. Not the Ronald McDonald one. That's a ten and a half. I could wear it, but okay. that's I'm not going to wear that one out. Well, they had the black also, right? The black with the green highlights. Black, and yeah, green, yeah, yeah. They did. Yeah, I think I may have gotten this uh, the Rio Red Crown Blue. Um, I I, I, oh, I can't believe I, I might have shoe. to almost revisit my my round eight pick. Because there was some end the environmentally neutral design uh, running shoe company made a couple really good kick around shoes and, and decent running shoes, but they were comfy to, to wear around. The wow, the walk on water. Oh man, that's awesome! Guy. I don't know who won this draft. We're gonna have to put it out to the listeners, all nine of them. 
because I, I don't know if I can. I, I think I did pretty well, but I don't know if I can unilater unilaterally declare victory like I usually you didn't do. do that we, well. we have a couple more bonus <laughs> categories. We could have like a tiebreaker. All right, here's our tiebreakers. We have two bonus categories, and and this we're gonna we're gonna allow the uh, the the rules not to apply for. We're just gonna round robin this. Just uh, you know whatever. And, and the the reason I asked this first question is because there's one specific pair that I'm excited about. But what <laughs> what shoe are you guys most excited for that's coming out in the next year? Ian, why don't you go first? I know you wanted to plug some racing spikes. Yeah, so this, is, this isn't one that I'll probably even wear, but I just thought it was like a really fun design. So there's a bunch that I think look pretty cool in this next year. Um, if you want, I'm not, I think, uh, legally allowed to do it, but if I share my screen, I will show you the... Um... See no evil. It's, a, it's an audio podcast, so... Oh, sweet. <laughs> um <laughs> Everybody wins. <laughs> um, all right. So let's see. Let me um, try to get back to that uh, view. Yeah, this is, this is great radio. Yeah, it's totally. Remember when he couldn't like figure out how to get to hear us on the <laughs> earlier? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Somebody else make a pick. Go Tom ahead, Brady Brian. Shoes. Come, come back to me. Go on, Brian. I, I honestly haven't looked too much into 2021. It's 2020 was such a dumb dumpster fire that the foresight isn't there i guess i'm kind of excited i have it i haven't run it yet the uh arcteryx norvan sl2 it's like a six ounce yeah they look pretty uh, cool it's like like a second version of like a six ounce trail shoe it has a really nice upper the problem with the one is that when you put it on the ankle collar kind of bowed out at both like just like perpendicular to the ankle both interior or laterally immediately immediately and this one is going to fit better, uh, a little more snug. And actually somehow managed to drop some more weight, which I'm not sure how they did. Um, but I'm pretty excited to give that a go once I'm running on trails again. Cool. Phil, you got something you're looking forward to trying this year? Um, I mean, I like the look of the North Face. Yeah, that's shoot. the one that I wanted oh, to bring up, the Vective. Yeah, I yeah. think that looks kind of cool, kind of interesting. I mean, $200 trail shoe, yeah, why not? Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, it looks, it was kind of cool. Interesting. It's something different. So, so who knows? Um, yeah, I gave Dave, I gave uh Debo shit about it for trying to plug it on the last podcast we did, but, um, that does look cool. I mean, cheater shoes, of course, carbon fiber trail shoe, but I mean, just the, the concept yeah. of a carbon fiber trail shoe, especially for the trails that we have here in the gunk sounds super fun. Yeah. Um, Isn't that going to be like a lever tipping you, tipping you over? Like, I mean, yeah, you know, three, right. I mean, it it's, it's not like a soft, like TPU plate. It's, Carbon no, no, fiber. no. It's a carbon yeah. fiber plate. I mean, it's, you know, it'll be something, you know, I, right. I don't know that it's going to be something that you can wear at like breakneck or, you yeah, know, cat's tail, right off a cliff. <laughs> but right. Exactly. Oh, is that it there? So I just uh, published this yesterday. I think I got the uh, review out of the infinite. It's got the P backs plate as opposed to the carbon. Okay. My, my flight vective is in route. Uh, so I should test it over the next uh, couple weeks and get it out. Um, but yeah, I did just publish the review of the infinite. I probably have like 75 miles in it, uh, or so. And <clears throat> dude, you just have to go and read the review. Oh. What the hell? <laughs> I need some sort of site traffic. <laughs> and, and here's the flight vector. Mm -hmm. comparison. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I mean, I'm going to be got, in Sonoma yeah, in I April. Hopefully I, I can. Poker. What do you, I got these racing flats. Oh, those are nice. Yeah. Those look cushy. Yeah, you did 10 nines. They're made, of, they're made of hemp. 
<laughs> Once you finish running in them, you can. This is an audio them. podcast. Phil is holding up his um, slippers, but that's oh, cool. backward. Yeah, like. yeah, to- hundred percent hemp. You know, once you finish running, you just smoke it. You smoke them. Good. Yeah. Maybe you can get up a uh, subscription uh, service for that one. <laughs> yeah, and if they come from me, they're well flavored. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right, last question, guys, and then I'll let you all go. This has been super fun. Maybe. Wait a minute, I was no. going to oh, show yeah, you no, this. Right. Jesus, I was going to give I you an out. So yeah. I, did, I didn't think you could make the technology later. work. Ian's um, got it. I do, I do, um, and I, I was about to, I think, undock the window. And all right. Am I sharing my screen here? You are not. We still see your face. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're sharing the part that you're not wearing anything below your shirt, which is a bit <laughs> troubling, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe that sharing wasn't meant for us. Oh, 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 wait, wait. <laughs> Touchdown. Oh, 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 there no. it is. All right. Oh, he's going to share a, a video. trap on a spike? Press escape to unsee it. Oh, wait. You can't, you can't hear my screen. Oh, how does that work? Why do I have um, to hear your screen? Yeah, we, we see you're here. I you see the shoe. Us. It does look oh, cool. Because I'm going to give you a rundown of the uh, the properties, uh, basically. But uh, you can do that hand. while Why you're actually talking to us. Yeah. All right. So what they're using here. So this is the this is a cross-country spike that's releasing in the uh, endorphin line for the fall. So they're using a uh, wicked soft uh, midsole material. Ooh, there, look at that squish. Lit, uh, down the center. Some good cleavage there. Um, yeah. Right up the the center. It's the first time that's ever been um, said on this podcast. Separate. Yeah, lift and separate. Good cleavage. It's got a yes. uh, it's got a fin in the back, similar to what uh, Hoka and some of the Nikes are are using for huh. in terms of transition or uh, how smooth that is. And then uh, right up that uh, center, it's got a uh, 3D or the carbon uh, plate going right through to the uh, forefoot and all the way up. And then in the front, it has. Um, basically embedded or uh, non-interchangeable spikes just coming, which they had to do some work at to figure out to get the durability coming through the carbon plate. Uh, but basically all one uh, piece there. That looks awesome. Uh, yeah. So I, it wasn't a size that I could try on my foot, but pretty, pretty cool combination of tech. And it would be pretty awesome, yeah. I think, to try to run that. I might have to do some cross-country races just to get that. At Hard Rock. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think, thinking, I, think I might have my Leadville shoe. Drop? What's the weight and drop on that? I can't remember. I have it in my notes, but that would take another couple minutes. I, give me a ballpark. I mean, does it have drop? Actually, I, don't, uh, I don't remember. Actually, it does, I don't it doesn't remember. look, just looking at it, it doesn't look like it's particularly a low drop. It lo- I would no, exactly. guess it's in like that 8 to 10 range. Um, just, just talk amongst yourselves. Hang on. Let me see if I have some. Is that the Saucony Speed Roll? Or what is the name of it? He, we haven't heard gone. that yet, have we? No, no. Did he just leave us? He's gone. That's right, fine. We talk, anybody got some good Ian stories? I will say that is a gorgeous <laughs> looking shoe, and it's much squishier than it, I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Oh, hey, he's back. we just saw some good stories about you. Sorry. Oh, good. All right. All right. So we got the weight of. I'm, me- I'm mesmerized by Silent Ian showing me the properties of the shoe. What? Stop! Stop uh, sharing your screen. Yes. Let me, uh... <laughs> I'm only looking at the background, though. I see a Laurel Highlands uh, mar- mile marker. I see the Jaws. Yep. Good. Brooks. Catamounts. boy. There's your roots. Uh, so we've got uh, 5.3 ounces. Wow. On and the drop, they don't give me, and I don't remember. Yeah. And what is the name of the shoe? This Is it the Speed Roll? Endor- Endorphin XC. Oh. And there's... um. 
another one that I could probably play you, but I'm going to get my Saucony account revoked here. And uh, yeah, totally. But I have another uh, somewhat intro and review video already done on it as well. But I'll just show you, and the listeners will just have to to think. But the other one uh, coming, the Chubby Checker. Yeah, totally. Oh wow, yeah. look at that! <laughs> oh, that was so cool. It's totally the endorphin cheap checker. trick. Uh huh. Um, so I'm ex- I'll be excited to uh, try that one out as well. And Brian, I'm assuming you'd get one of those early. At least your testers would. I wanted to. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hideous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what they said about Hoka when they first came out, and now everyone clown <laughs> shoes. But you want a pair. <clears throat> All right, huh? our last question, and this one's for fun, but we can use it as a tiebreaker. Give me the single specific pair of shoes that you wish you could own. So, okay. for example, you know Kipchoge's uh, Alpha Flies from Breaking Two, or whatever it is. Give me the specific pair that you want. I'm I'm gonna mic drop the the, the draft here. The last pair of shoes Terry Fox wore on the Marathon of Hope. Oh, God. That's way too heavy. We were all having a good time here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's good. That's really good. Ian, what do you got? Dude, I think I'd probably go for just the uh, something that would have come off of, like, well, two-part. I, I think I'm going to go with uh, something that would have come off of Pree's feet. Ah, uh, you took the, mine. The, 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 the inspiration and the energy um, and just the, um, I don't know, it would have been, I think, amazing. What I did as when you put that out there in the email thread, what I did uh, start going back into, though, was looking into, well, I had basically ended up watching uh, some of the clips, one of uh, Bob Kennedy and, and uh, Todd throwing down and some of the 5,000s. And I'm trying to look. I was thinking back to some of those. I remember when Kennedy came out with the uh, Nike shoe with like the hole in the back and the two tier colors or whatever. And just thinking back on times in running history. And I was thinking that would have been one as well. Yeah. I wanted pre is, like is that the, the, the Jasari uh, ages with a, the split bright yeah. red, bright yellow, yep. the, the red yeah. and the yellow. Yeah. Yeah. Those the were sorry. Yeah. That was a great. Yep. Shoe. Yeah. I wanted pre's first pair of Nike, uh, Waffle racers also. You took mine. Damn it. All right. I guess I lost this draft. That sucks. Phil, what do you have? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I wanted the uh I wanted those nineteen seventy two, seventy four waffle races that you basically <laughs> just blew up on us. But if I can't have those, I'll have uh Marty McFly's Back to the future. <laughs> <laughs> Skull strapping shoes. I just can't be asked to tie my laces in the morning sometimes. <laughs> so those will work for me, all right? That's a good pick. I'll go with my second choice, which was uh, Roger Bannister's spikes that he broke, uh, wore to break the four-minute mile. Oh, that's that, that was on the list. Yeah. Hand-sharpened in, uh, in the hospital that day. I'll take, I'll take yeah. those, which are probably disintegrated by now. <laughs> All right, guys, this was a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much for doing this. Like I said, I don't know that I can unilaterally declare that I'm the winner, but uh, I think the, you the just results did, will bear right? us out. Yep, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> when am I going to see you guys again? Anytime soon? Who's traveling when? 2022? Yeah, all right. Yeah, probably, right? I yeah. feel 2022 is realistic at this point. Brian, do you think UTMB and any of those things are going forward this summer? I could see UTMB. I mean, it's the end of the summer in a modified format. There's no way you're getting 9,000 racers in Chamonix right. in, in August. I mean, before that, the the Sonomas, the Western States, the Hard Rocks, like people are counting on them. Like, don't count on them. Like, I got that's no inside info. Like, yeah, go out and enjoy your runs. That's that's what we got to do these days. 
Way to send us out on a bummer. Thanks a oh. lot. <laughs> we have, have UTMB. UTMB is going to go down. It's going to be elites only. It's going to be a great race. Again, that, that very, I think it goes down that, elite only. There's only 145 people anyway. They're all elite anyway. I guess they want a hard rock. Uh, yeah. No, an, actually, an elite-only race at UTMB would actually be pretty fun to watch. Yeah, it, it, I think that could actually happen. Yeah, like actually, be a, I'd say like a twenty-five, thirty percent chance of that happening. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. We'll would, see. What, would you make the trip for that one, or you'd stay stay put? It depends on sort of the relative safety and sort of kind of mm-hmm. overall situation. You could yeah. be probably vaccinated, but at that point, you know, uh, at that point, it's quite likely. Maybe. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, everyone out there, (laughs) everyone out there, do your part, wear your mask, stay distant. Let's send Brian to UTMB in in August. And hoard running shoes. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Can can I open up my closet and you can see right now? Yeah. Open it. (laughs) Bring it. Bring the 1993. Not bad. Not bad. Wow. He's got the Marty McFly's in there. I do. And the Bannister (laughs) shoes. Sorry, guys. They're $100,000 a pair. Come on. (laughs) Uh, All right, guys. Thank you so much for doing this. Everyone out there, thank you for listening. And until next time in the pain cave, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Broken down and beaten up. The years have been long and tough, but I'm not dead. Happy now just to spend some time with friends and have a roof above my head. I'm not jaded, just been faded. Like a good old pair of jeans Rusted like a proud old car That's drove a little too far And seen too much rain But long ago as a child I look about the night sky In wild wonderment And ride the bus feel upset To think of all the years I'd have to go through there I was still young I was still young And I was still young